And welcome back, everybody, to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. It is me, your host, Stephen Priel. I have been gone for quite some time now, and uh, I sincerely apologize for that. But um, I do have something to in- introduce, or someone, someone to introduce, and something to announce. I will be officially doing this with a co-host, and uh, he's a very good friend of mine that I've known for quite some time now. And, you know, we're soccer fanatics that don't talk anything else except for soccer. That's not true, but, you know, we talk soccer very, very frequently. Um, Julian, you can introduce yourself now. Real footy Don, Julian here. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, man. That's a term we came up with recently. Uh, or at least I came up with. Uh, I'll spend it to you guys as we go on to the journey of uh, this football world, which continues to you know bombard their fans and viewers with uh, content and, and footage of football. Um, what I want to say very quickly was that we're planning on really making this uh, consistent um, podcast showing and make sure that, you know, uh, my viewers are constantly updated and involved the way that we are involved with the soccer world. But that being in the you know the shape and form of the Euros, which is now happening in 2021 as opposed to Euro 2020. And obviously, they're taking the games are being taken place in many different locations, obviously because of COVID, etc., etc. Now, Julian, just before we even really fully kick off, give me your Euro 2020 or 2021 prediction. You mean who's going to win? Yeah, who, who do you think is going to win? I think you can listen. I think France are the favorites, and I think they can take it again. France to win the Euros. They're just they just have too much depth, and you know, Kante is a very very hard player to play against on his day. Galinho, the goat himself. Galinho, yeah. I just I just can't go against him in a knockout stage. It's a semi final. Am I gonna go for the team who hasn't who has Kante or who doesn't have Kante? I really think point. he makes a big difference, but yeah, I'd say France. I mean, you, you're, basically, you're basically reiterating what I've seen everybody else say uh-huh. because everyone seems to think that France are going to win. Well, they are favorites, for I, sure. I think they're favorites, yeah. too, given their you know their squad and also like the history they have also in the competition. Especially yeah. recently, they've done a really good job. But for me personally, I won't say that France are favorites. I mean, sorry, I, won't, I don't think... My, for me, if I'm picking my team to win, I won't say that it's going to be France. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know that. I don't know yet. But I just have this feeling that it's not going to be them. This year was already, which has started, by the way, guys, because, you know, me, I'm super, super late. And uh, I don't really, uh, I didn't really keep up with the immediate starting of the, the Euros because I want to get myself set up to do this properly. Um, but, uh, yeah, France, that's a good pick. I think for me personally, I'm probably going to go with Portugal or um, maybe even like the, I want to say Italy or might be a dark horse. Mm. I want to say that because, again, I've just seen their first fixture against Turkey, which I know you and I were speaking yeah. endlessly about off uh, off off the mic but um yeah france is a good pick i'm gonna go with portugal or germany and also of course they're all in the same group and uh, we should probably go straight through the uh the early fixtures that have happened since mm-hmm. the euros have started with the first game being turkey and italy so mm-hmm. give me your thoughts on that game well three nothing victory from I the uh, italian italy dominated and turkey were by far second best and deserved to lose and could have lost by much more um the first half, like many tournaments, the first game is going to be a little bit close. It wasn't not close isn't the right word. It's more so kind of hesitant. Both teams a little hesitant. But you could tell Tur- uh, Italy were dominating. And then in the second half, you know, Turkey just collapsed. They definitely um, they crumbled, man. Yeah. Like yeah. an avalanche on, on a hill. They definitely. just... Or not avalanche. It's avalanche. Avalanche. Yeah. yeah. When, you know, everything, the snow just completely drops and they, they kind of lost the... The grip on their game, or they lost the, sure. they, they kind of took their hand off the scruff of the the neck of the game, or off, took their foot off the gas pedal because mm-hmm. 
I thought so too. I thought Turkey in the first half were actually quite decent. I thought the game was looking like it was going to be a nil-nil, maybe a one-nil nicker mm-hmm. from uh, from either side. It didn't end up being that. Uh, it ended up being um, a uh, a very convincing victory, especially because, like I said, Turkey became more expansive and looked to score goals for themselves, which obviously that left them susceptible to be conceding goals at the back. Yeah. And Italy exploited that, uh, rightfully so. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think Italy have a chance of going really far? Oh, yeah. How far do you think Italy can go? I think they will get to quarterfinals at least, depending on how the draws go and if they get unlucky. But, you know, if the luck of the draw permits, they can easily get to semifinals. I yeah, agree. Minimum. I mean, and if they're in the semis, anything goes. They could, they could go. They're definitely, for me, in the top three or five favorites. Italy. They're looking really good. Really? Yeah. That's really a very, very... Great. I mean, I have to agree. I said the same thing at the beginning of this, and I still think that, too. I think the Italians have something special about them this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the way the team has been um, put together by Roberto Mancini, I think he's done a very good job. And also the lineup that I saw told me that this guy definitely can see the bright spots mm-hmm. of each player and has been able to put them together and mm-hmm. create a very fruitful system, you know? So yeah. I think Turkey, Turkey... I think Italy will win this group comfortably. The group mm-hmm. of them... Uh, the Turkish, the Welsh, and the Swedish, uh, mm-hmm. Swedish the Swiss. Uh, into the next game of this group, which is Wales and Sweden. Sweden, well, what am I mixing this up? Wales and, and the Swiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up 1-1. It wasn't really a very, very interesting game. Yeah. I know you didn't put too much attention to it. You didn't yeah. have to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. I think it was it was close from what I, from what I saw for the most part, but um, Switzerland were unlucky in the last 10 minutes to have a goal disallowed. 100%. They look very likely to come out yeah. and then do something, you know? Yeah. And uh, what do you think about Breel and Bolo? He had a really good game. Yeah. He scored a really and good Bolo goal. Bolo was and great. He looked and threatening all game wrong. Shakiri always shows up in these types he of did, games. He did, man. He was too. also a very instrumental piece in them picking up a goal in the, first, in the, in the opening, or later stages of the first half. Yeah. Um, what about Gareth Bale? You know, he was the, nowhere to uh, be seen, to be what, was it, what is the saying again? Is it, is it Wales, Golf, Madrid in that Wales, order? Golf, Madrid in that order, yeah. <laughs> Something ridiculous like that. But, but yeah, he was yeah, anonymous. He was to be seen. But once again, don't count him out. Because next game he can come. You think he, so, he, don't he can, you? He can score against them. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a very, very... Uh, that's or is a good, it, is, do they play Turkey next, Wales? I believe so, yes. Yeah. I do think it is, it Turkey, is Turkey against Wales, actually. Exactly. Yeah. And... Uh, with yeah. that in mind, that would definitely tell you that you know they're going to come up with guns blazing mm-hmm. for sure because, as we've seen, often teams don't really start out the best in tournaments, but they end up picking up and getting better yeah, as time goes on. It happens to especially the weaker side, I guess. Yeah. Not always the best side. Sometimes start up with firepower and right. continue that way. Some yeah. teams, it's the opposite. They start off really sure. poorly and end up doing well. And of course, you know. So I think the same thing might happen with them. Um, let's move on very swiftly to yeah. the next one, which was, uh, uh, you know, the. Uh, Danish versus versus the Finnish. Yeah. And of course, you know, we have to um, wish our best and our prayers out to Christian Eriksen, who, you know, was playing the game casually and having a really good game, actually. And unfortunately, he collapsed in the middle of the game, in the middle of the field. Nobody touched him. He just had a heart attack, apparently. And uh, with that in mind, I felt very, very sorry for him. And I hope, you know, wish him all the best and a quick recovery. But uh, Julie, you can weigh on in this, on both the incident and also the yeah. game. And give me your impact. It was it was shocking. It was um, it was yeah. It was almost not real. You, you I, I couldn't believe what was happening to be honest. But I mean, it's it's at the end of the day, it's it's good that he's you know alive and well. But um, the real question now is that is he going to come back? Is he going to play again? At least at, at the top level with Inter Milan, we'll see. He's a great player, Christian Eriksen. So this is not just you know. Some player that no one really knew. This is 
big player, maybe one of the best Danes to ever play, you know? Definitely. So was, you look at him in the Premier League too at Tottenham, and I think to myself, yeah. like, in the moment that I saw him on the ground, you know, and obviously not looking the most responsive, I don't mean to be too explicit, but that's mm-hmm. definitely the case. And it kind of flashback then it came back to me, and I thought to myself, this guy really was something special in the Premier League. Like, I remember looking at him and despising, like, you know, yeah. I'm a Chelsea fan, and Julian right. and I are both Chelsea fans, hence why we're such good friends, I guess, yeah. and why he's, you know, we're now looking to do this uh, and talk about football. Chelsea will come later in the, in the year, obviously, when the Premier League starts. But back to Ericsson. Uh, I thought that uh, you know he really left a mark on the on the Premier League, and he was slowly making a mark on Serie A as well. Didn't have the best season in Italy, but in his debut season. Mm-hmm. But in the moments that it counted, he definitely was big, and he was a, a big part of them winning the league. I think, especially mm-hmm. over the last two or three months of the season. So yeah. I was sad to see that, but I'm happy that he got better. Now back to the game, though. Mm-hmm. The Finnish ended up winning despite a penalty be giving to the Danish, yeah. which they had missed, and the Finnish were able to capitalize and win the game. Yeah, just a snatch and grab from Finland. I mean. They had pretty much one chance the entire game, and they scored from it. Um, the header that, you know, I think the keeper could have, should have saved. But um, it's just a game that you can't really analyze, to be honest, because what happened yeah, just the, it the takes over everything. Yeah, the life was out of it, for sure. And the fact that they decided to continue and play on, yeah. for me, is a big thing. If you're a team that just experienced something that traumatic and that, mm-hmm. you know, heart-wrenching, to yeah. go on and play a game, another 60, 70 minutes of the match... Like, nothing just happened for me. Is, uh, I don't know how they did that. I, I commend them for it because it's very, very brave and it's very, um, you know, like I said, it's very um, courageous to see. But I don't know that they should have done it in terms of the mental of, like, you know, witnessing the teammate, a brother of theirs, basically, in such a bad state. So Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but then there's also the argument, you know, hindsight bias, but, you know. I really thought that they were they really wanted to win for him. You yes, know, it, you it seemed written too. in the stars that they would go on and win. And but I guess the Finnish had different. Uh, and all the respect to them, the fin- the Finnish were also very you know courageous in this entire affair and respectful. And it was their first game in, a, in an international tournament like that, and they won. So it's it's also an important day for them. They had Definitely. a right to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. You know? And you could see when the when the when the uh, when the finish did score, the guy didn't want to celebrate because he yeah. didn't want to you know rub it the salt in the wound, which makes right. sense. But it's still a very very uh, historic day for them. As yeah, you mentioned. for sure, for sure. But on a happier note, let's talk about another Inter player, Christian Eriksen's teammate of who he told whom he told, yeah. "I love you, Chris." Yeah, Romelu Lukaku and Belgium who beat. Russia 3 yeah, nothing. Honestly, I have to say, well. Russia looked like they were very out of shape and just, you know, drank some vodka before the game. <laughs> Did you, they were so uncoordinated. They were so out of shape. There was something about them. They were really, really bad on that day, i got to say. It could have been much more. A bigger scoreline could have been. Yeah, could've. Belgium, for what I've understood and what I've gathered, were very, very dangerous in, in possession. Basically, every time they attack, it looked like they might yeah. score. Yeah, and that's not surprising. I think Belgium against weaker opposition show you why they're the number mm-hmm. ranked, one number one ranked team in the world in FIFA rankings. Right, and Lukaku showing us exactly why Chelsea are after him, and mm-hmm. you know why Inter want to keep him so badly because he's again he's proving himself game after game of being a top 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 striker. No longer just a you know we play for West Brom, we play for Everton, he played mm-hmm. for Manchester United, big club, um, but he didn't really perform at the highest heights at that at that level, you know, and at the top level in England. But going to, to Italy now, winning his first uh, real major you know, honor as a player. And he's translating that form, I think, into the international stage. True. Being Belgium's uh, top ever goal scorer as well. And he continues to push his mark higher. Yeah, he mistaken. is actually. Isn't he? Yes. Yeah, I think he's officially the Belgium. Yeah, he is Belgium's Yeah, I'm almost certain he is. Exactly. Yeah, he so is. That he, he continues to add to that tally and prove to people just how good he is. Yeah. And 
but this game has showed to me that it doesn't matter what stage of the you know he's playing at, he's always going to be effective, you know. But uh, to add to add to the uh, to the the Belgium result, I just wanted to say that uh, my favorite player will be making an appearance. Oh, he did make an appearance, but I think he'll get more game time too, as you know, guys. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Eden Hazard fan, and I think he'll definitely be able to imprint his his brilliance on this team sooner mm -hmm. or later. Um, but let's move on again very quickly onto the to it's coming home to you know it's coming mm -hmm. to the great land of England. And the, you know where football all started is what they, I've been told by my sources, yeah, fraudulent sources. Go on, join and tell me yeah. more about England versus Croatia. It was a sloppy game, to be honest. Extremely sloppy. And you know both teams were not very convincing, but England were slightly more convincing than Croatia. And um, I think England did deserve the result. However, they just because they were just it's simply because Croatia did not turn up at all. But at the end of the day, you know, I feel like if you want to win a tournament, now I'm not saying England are going to win the tournament, but if you want to win a tournament, some games are going to be like that. A lot of games are going to be like that. In 2018, when France won the World Cup, were they really that convincing every game? No, not at all. No. I don't think so. Not, there was not, not one stage. game where I felt really convinced by France. You know, against Argentina. Belgium, they were not very convincing. Nope. They could have lost. Against Argentina, they conceded three goals. I yeah, mean, but I mean... Convincing in the sense that they looked like they had some attacking flair to them, which is something I think they lacked throughout the tournament. Oh yeah, they kept for sure. Even the in the group stages, goal. yeah, in the group stages, exactly. exactly. Um, even though the final, you know, the final exactly. could have gone another way. But then again, we can't say France didn't deserve to win it just because, like, you win the game consistent. You win games consistently. You win, the tournament, you win the tournament, right? So anybody, anybody with a mind knows that. You know, that's yeah. a sim simple football logic. You'd figure that out when you, despite how you do it, as long exactly. as you do it, you often win. Yeah. You know how you do win. But, but yeah. I agree with you. I think England look a bit flat-footed. But it's not the end of the world because, like I said, they often don't have the greatest of starts to tournaments anyways, historically. Yeah. And that continues in this tournament as well. But I do think they're going to pick up some steam. Uh, I really doubt Gareth Southgate's ability as a manager, if I'm being very honest. But mm -hmm. uh, that's a different topic for a different day. Yeah. We're just going to mention the fact that Raheem the Dream, as I call him, Raheem Sterling, scored. And it was actually a very, very good build-up from, uh, from England and a very good pass from Calvin Phillips, who was making his debut, actually. I think, yeah, in the first major tournament for England. And he's done exceptionally well and by taking this opportunity and uh, putting the ball in the plate for Sterling to bury it. And I was very impressed with the finish, I have to say. Despite Sterling looking like he fumbled the ball into the net, a goal is a goal, you know. So mm -hmm. you can't quote, criticize him for that. But uh, we'll move on again to Austria versus North Macedonia, which had a whole leap of controversy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of goals in this game. Four goals, three ones for Austria as... Uh, um, Many, many, you know, well-known players such as Liner and Arnautovic and Gregoric, who all play in big leagues. I mean, Arnautovic playing the Chinese Super League, but that's a pretty <laughs> big league in some people's yeah. eyes. Uh, and Goran Pandev, the the goat from Napoli, originally from the former player of Napoli and currently playing in uh, the, the for Genoa, I believe, in uh, Syria. And uh, you know, he did a great job in scoring a goal. But uh, mm -hmm. what do you think about North Macedonia and Austria? You think they have a chance of uh, coming at the group? Either one of them. North does, Macedonia. Or, yeah, either one of those two teams. Well, I don't think North Macedonia will. Get You're winning them out already, huh? I think they are. Right? Yeah, although <laughs> they, they they put up a respectful performance. I mean, a respectable performance. But you know, I I think Austria could get out of the group. I mean, I they're good. They have That's really good. Take. Like Sabitzer, again, I always say one of the most underrated players in the world. Agreed. He Leipzig have a lot of underrated ball. players. That's Schick, who's a former Leipzig player. We'll talk yeah. about him in a second. That's Sabitzer at Austria. Yeah, done brilliantly in the game and, against um, You know. 
I think Alaba also had a great game, you know. I, I noticed that Austria really tried to play through him, even though he was kind of playing like almost a centre-back. Yeah, as a sweeper forward. Role, yes. It looked really strange. I, th- I actually thought I was very intrigued by the, the system that Austrians use, given that they, they don't have the most, you know, offensive firepower. But I think with Alaba, you can play him nearly anywhere on the field. Oh, yeah. He's so versatile. I mean, exactly. And he just has so much quality. I mean, you want the plays to go through him. Exactly. You know? But I feel like it's weird that they want that to happen given where he stands. As you said, where he stands on the field. I feel like right. you might want to put him in a more advanced position exactly. where he doesn't have to worry about defensive mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hming. coverage and looking well, to cover Well, that's why they that got ground. caught out a few times. Exactly. Which is actually why I think they were able to score. As you saw, he was the last man basically in near the net when mm-hmm. the Pandev was able to put it in. Yeah. Which shows you that he's kind of covering both offensive places when they set up the when he set up the second goal, but also having to be a defensive juggernaut basically in the yeah. defense when they scored when North Macedonia scored their first goal or only goal of the game. But uh, Arnautovic, of course, with some uh, snarky remarks after you know running past the keeper, a la Fernando Torres versus Barca style. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, you know. And then uh, Arnautovic was uh, a bit, uh, yeah, like I said, a bit um, you know, snobbish. What do you say? Explicit. Explicit. <laughs> yes, explicit is a good word for what he said to the North Macedonian fans, it's which made Alaba look happen. Exactly. What do you say, sir? It's the Serbian in him. Yeah, of course, man. You know, he had the links, and that definitely caused him to say some things he probably got to say now. It's just like when Shakiri scored in the World Cup. Exactly. Know. Very similar with the celebration. Yeah. That happens. That seems it, to happen often. Albania always getting always getting the bad end. And of the they're stick. not even playing. They're doesn't matter. They don't. They don't matter. They they have beef with everybody. They love beefing each other yeah. on the field, off the field. It's, the field is a representation of life. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's a great metaphor, but yeah, it's, it generally is. But um, we'll move on again to the best game that we've seen in the Euro so far, which is uh, Netherlands versus Ukraine. Now, mm. for me, game of the tournament. Frankie so De Jong, far. man. I just want to talk about him. Give a quick minute snippet about how good Frankie De Jong is. I just want to say that I think this guy is going to become one of the best. And if not, if he's not already he one already of the best one now, of the best. he really is. He's just playing in, I mean, a, in an guy, underachieving team in Barca. But still, the, he joined Barca at the wrong time. If he was older, if he, if he yeah. was born in you know later, like, earlier in life, should I say, yeah. uh, or in this in this you know yeah in this world, then he would be part of a generation of you know Xavi and Iniesta, mm-hmm. Busquets. If he's part of that team, then wow, like he would fit perfectly. And even now, he still looks like a Barca player. But of mm-hmm. course, Barca are going through their own transitions. But back to the Dutch team, he's definitely one of the, best, the Dutch's best players, in my opinion. And I look at him, and I was thinking to myself, everything goes to Frankie De Jong. He never loses possession. He's always True. good at you know ball progression, and and uh, and his distribution is also just as good. And when I saw him, I said, "Oh, this guy's really special." And so were the Dutch. So do yeah, you, uh, and we think about the Dutch well. uh, coming back. We're not coming back, but uh, having to win the game in the last minute. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because it was a very open game, very open game, and Ukraine deserved those goals that they got. But uh, I just think that Netherlands just had that extra little bit of quality that that made them able, you know, allowed them to win the game in the end. Um, and they had a lot of missed chances. Um, but overall, it was a fair result, I think, because Ukraine did get a little... After they scored the second one, they it was as if they were just readying themselves to to finish out a draw. But, of course, you're going to get hit when you play like that, especially against Netherlands, who are just going to give you everything in the last five minutes. But, uh, yeah, I, I just want to say, like, two players that really stood out to me, uh, apart from De Jong, were Wijnaldum and Malinowski. I just loved seeing those two play. It was just—it was such a good game. It was, for me, this was the best game I've watched so far. Definitely, a, man. A, a I think the quality trade. on display was quite clear. You could see that both teams had some really 
that's why we call them real football dons on both yeah. teams because you could just sense the quality and the, the ability that most of these players on either side have. Oftentimes in Euros, you see one team that might have you know a lot of good players on it and another team that has maybe one or two that are like, yeah, these guys are the best of the best and everyone else is just kind of trying to trudge along with everybody else. Mm-hmm. In this game, it was a kind of a very balanced affair. You notice both teams look dangerous at all times. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that in mind, I thought that the... the um, the offensive potency from both teams was really there. You could see with that, I mean, Ukraine barely had any chances in the game, especially leading up to the time. I mean, they did have a couple of decent moments, but never really, really testing the keeper. And then when they did get the chance, they buried it with a brilliant goal from Yarmolenko, mm-hmm. which we've seen before with him at West Ham, although he doesn't get many minutes in the Premier League mm-hmm. recently. But when he shines, he shines. That's the kind of player that he is. And did it again in this game. After Dumfries, as I call him, smart freeze was able to kind of, you know, overturn the scoreline again in the Dutch's favor after Ukraine came back from 2 nothing down. But um, we'll move on to the games of today, which were Czech Republic, or basically the Patrick Schick, you know, masterclass mm-hmm. versus the Scottish. Now, Julian, your lookalike, because if you guys don't know, <laughs> Julian looks exactly like Patrick Schick. I would say, not exactly, but, you know, you look at him, you think, yeah, he looks like Patrick Schick, uh, maybe doppelganger or something. But Julian's uh, doppelganger had an exceptional game, and I'd love for Julian himself to weigh in. So, Julian, weigh in on uh, Patrick Schick. Yeah. I, honestly, we, we did have a debate about this um, off the mic. And I, I thought Scotland deserved a better result here with the way they were playing. <laughs> No, <laughs> I man, I still don't think that. I think, listen, I think they were really looking the more dominant team until... We watch different games. Game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just biased because I, I, I like the Scottish grit. It's true. I, I do like Scotland. I do like some of their players. But, um... <laughs> I mean, I'm no disrespect to Scottish people who anybody who's Scottish who's listening to this. I'm just saying that I don't necessarily, like, you know, value the, the yeah, high I guess you just have an English football. perspective then. No, but this is the thing. Listen to this. I do like Steven, I do like Steven Gerrard, and I do like the Rangers, and I think that yeah. the, the Scottish League is actually a good league. Like, I well, will it's, not, inter- I will it's not entertaining, it. for sure. But it's this game in particular, let's get back to the fixture now. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't think, for Julian, he thinks Scotland, especially a player that him and I were also joking about and, and having a debate about with John McGinn, who mm-hmm. he thinks is, you know, had a really good game and was his ability to keep possession and to <laughs> yeah. distribute the ball is, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's of a really separate nice quality than I would consider for the rest of the Scottish players. Mm-hmm. But Julian, can please continue your case on Listen, why Scotland, Scotland were, were, they had a lot of chances. That's really what it came down to. They, they were getting in the box a lot. But their striker, Dykes, Lyndon Dykes, was poor to say the least. He should have finished better chances. You know, Che Adams came on, had a little bit of touches Sometimes here and there. Striker, you know, scored like a goal against Manchester City that one season. Nobody <laughs> yeah, will forget it. That. Overall, and also don't forget the crossbar. It was close as well. Yeah, it really Robertson came, came it, it close. The, it really became their their kryptonite, man. It yeah, and the keeper them. was having. I mean, what's his name? Uh, do, uh, uh, is it the, that's not the right, but that's not it's Chris it's, I forget his name but the I, I, I do not remember his name though. he was he's also a great an RFD, a real football don he's a he real made football some don for sure saves today. Yeah. I was really really impressed with him I was like this guy knows what he's doing yeah but um, and then you know just to finish it off no disrespect to Czech Republic at the end of the day what matters is the goals that you score and I'm not exactly. saying Czech didn't deserve to win I'm just saying you could, you, you could say Scotland were a little hard done maybe you could you know they both teams were good. You yes. know, it's hard. It's hard. It's harsh that one team gets three points, another team gets zero points. When, yeah, but but still, Schick was. Those goals were just even the even the first goal. The header was really the header good. Header was brilliant. A good ball from uh, West Ham's Vladimir Sofal. Yeah, and it was a 
quality header from Patrick Schick. Mm-hmm. A player who has not again not had the greatest of domestic seasons with his club at Bayer Leverkusen, you know, yeah. kind of playing. Well, not just that, role. but I would even argue he's had a, you know, his career hasn't been great. He's been criticized, and you know, often pundits say he lacks that X factor. Agree. You know? I mean, I definitely agree. I think you can see the potential in him, though, and I think tournaments like this often let players and for them see, see for themselves how good they can become and how good they are, mm-hmm. and also allows them to notice that you know they have the abilities that they may not thought they have had given they don't get the opportunity to show it or they may not necessarily do it at the level they would in domestically, but they may do it in the European or international context, mm-hmm. as we saw with Chick today. But the second goal, which Julian has not mentioned, but was going to mention, mm-hmm. which is uh, basically a Wayne Rooney-esque goal versus his old club, which is when he played for Manchester United versus Everton, or when he did it against West Ham uh, for Manchester United, which is basically a goal from half. Like it's a goal from the centerpiece or what do you want to call it, from kickoff, a bit further than into the, into the uh, Scottish half and he... Basically, off a, a Scottish attack, mm-hmm. the ball fell fell to Schick, and Schick was able to capitalize and basically just put his left boot through the ball. But it's a perfectly executed strike yeah. from like at least what is that, fifty yards? Yeah, I, I know. I told you this earlier, and I stick by it. The second of he released the ball, I knew it was going in. You before the cameras even kind of yeah, showed before that, even appeared to the like keeper, the way him he struggling. struck yeah. that was so. You just knew. You it had just convinced me, like feeling. this is going. This this is going. He knows what he's doing. Hundred percent. You know. And when he scored, I told myself the game has to end to nothing now. No yeah. matter what happens, the Czech have to win. You yeah. score a goal like that, you must you win the win. game. True. You know what I mean? Like it's difficult for me to see that happening. That's part of the reason why I think Czech deserve. Yeah, to win for sure. After that, I'm telling you, I was gonna say I forgot to mention. After that goal, it's over. Scotland yeah. were down. You have to be demoralized. The game I don't care who you are. You could be Barca from back in 07 yeah. 08 with Guardiola. You're demoralized if you can mm-hmm. see the goal like that. True. And you lose to that as well. You know, True. it's not like it's consolation. They lost to that. True. You know? Sure. And it's not like on. it happened in the last minute when there was no keeper. Or... Exactly. This is like the 50th minute. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And that made it even more impactful. This came after the halftime, too. You know, Scottish were trying to come out and mm-hmm. play their football, but the chick said, no, 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 no. Yeah, because here's the thing. I really thought Scotland would come out in the second half. They did. They definitely did. Goals, you they know? definitely did. And I think it's part of the reason why they conceded is because the keeper is also probably told, you know, be more active and yeah. being in front of your line and coming out of your net in order to receive the ball and to clear it out again. So yeah. that definitely was to their detriment, I guess. And uh, let the Czech uh, win. And Julian thinks the Scottish are going to come first place in that group with the, the Czech, the <laughs> Scottish, the English, and the Croatians. But we will see in the uh, the coming weeks, for sure. But like I said, let's move on to the, the Polish versus Slovakian game so we can get to this and then touch on the Spain and Sweden one after. But um, yeah, Poland-Slovakia, it was actually a really good game. I was actually thoroughly mm-hmm. entertained. Uh, it's th- the first half is always typical in the Euros, especially because each team has been their first game of the tournament, so it's going to be a bit cagey in the beginning. But uh, Lewandowski, you know, uh, big Polish striker, didn't really have the biggest impact, but of course, nice to see him back on the field again. Um, but uh, yeah, Julian, I'll let you speak and give your thoughts before I kind of wrap it up. But uh, go yeah, on. I just think yeah. Poland have always had a tendency to underperform in tournaments. That's so true. Despite but, the quality they have, yeah, in their they squad. have some. I mean, they have Zielinski and Lewandowski and. They have obviously on paper they were much Lamenti, better. Lamenti, who scored, he's a good player, plays for in the Sampdoria, yeah. I believe, in uh, Syria. But Slovakia today, massive respect. They really, really came out strong. The way they played was really because like, listen, everyone thought Poland were going to win this game. One hundred percent. You know, Lewandowski to Even score. I that. Yeah, but wow, Slovakia deserved. And every I'm always single... backing the underdog in this case, and oh, I yeah. wanted Slovakia to win. I was happy. Mm-hmm. And I saw Marek Hamšík, who I haven't seen, whose face I haven't seen in forever. You know? Yeah, 
he's still he's still alive. Exactly. Clearly, he was never dead, and he never mm-hmm. had to be you know resuscitated or brought mm-hmm. back to life. He's always been around. Same Again, player he's been for years. But he's just uh, he's different gravy, Joel. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, and he proved it again tonight. I thought, and uh, I thought that the Slovakia, the Slovakian players actually played a really good brand of football. I was actually very impressed with them. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd be looking to be more defensive and kind of sit back and soak up pressure and hope to hit on the counter, as they always say. Yeah. Uh, well, teams that are not the most blessed with talent as other in comparison to their, uh, you know, their opposition. But today, I thought they played really, really well, and I actually think they deserve to win in, in the whole, given that their counterattacking style, um, not necessarily in the sense that they're defending, but when they did look to break out and go and attack Poland, they did it very well. They were Effective, able to keep possession yeah. very well. For sure, for you know sure. What I mean, so, and then to see one of our favorite defenders, Julian, I really like this guy a lot. Is uh, Milan Skriniar from? Wow. Uh, from Inter Milan, and I think he's good. I mean, he's quite young, and you can tell he already has the, the Vincent Company esque mm-hmm. ability. He has the, the, you know, the Carlos Puyol, the young Sergio Ramos in yeah. him and I, to he become just, great. I use this term a lot, but it's true. He inspires confidence in a team. 100%. Because when I saw him in that lineup, yes. I, I thought it. to myself, no, Slovakia are in this. You don't lose with a player like that. No, man. Especially when he's the leading centre-back. Oftentimes, exactly. you can have a player like that in the midfield or up front, mm-hmm. and you can still lose a game. Example, just a quick little you know, um, side note. Messi playing with Argentina today. Mm-hmm. Tying 1-1 against Chile. Messi's not necessarily the leader by vocal, but mm-hmm. it's obviously his ability and his, mm-hmm. his link-up play and what he can do on the field. He's a leader in that sense, and his, his name and his ability. Uh, with Skriniar, I think, it's a combination of... He's also a very good defender, but also vocally, and also the position of the field that he plays on. Messi's obviously a right-winger slash... You know, he plays any position he wants. Skriniar is, a, is an out-and-out centre-back. So where he's located is in the heart of defence. Yeah. So if he does a job as being a leader, he's going to continue to hold that role. Um, and he did it today. He's also scored today. And a brilliant finish that was, Julian, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Amazing. Amazing. I was blown away, man. The control and then the mm-hmm. technique and to lace it from a centre-back. Yep. This is something you see like Robert Lewandowski do himself against anybody. <laughs> and he's playing for Bayern Munich, you know? Yep. But uh, again, we will swiftly move on to Alexander Isak's cameo performance oh, for yeah. a big club, basically. That's what this was in Sweden versus uh, yeah. Spain. Surely the most boring game of the tournament. 100%. This game can really be summed up by two things. Morata's miss. Because that miss, we're going to be we're gonna be talking about that for a while. I mean, you have to score there. You really do. I mean, you're playing for Spain. It's not like he's playing for, like, uh, Georgia or, like, uh, no, you know, like, San Marino yeah, or Gibraltar. Yeah, that you score Don't expect those places, but just saying, they yeah. don't, they're not just prestigiously known for having top players and winning and scoring mm-hmm. goals yeah. consistently in big games. No, I just think, you know, if you're if you're Spain's number nine, who listen, when, it, when you look at this lineup, Spain's lineup, who's, who's going to be the goal scorer? It should be Morata. But today, you know, he didn't show up. Um, and a lot of people said Moreno should have started, which I agree. I, I do think Moreno's a better man for, for this type of game. Um, Head out of Moreno, that is, of Villarreal, the striker that scored against uh, Manchester United when they beat... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's the yeah, the league. Manchester United, basically, yeah. But, you know, another thing, the second thing about this game was yeah. um, Isaac's performance. Oh, my God. He was, oh, what do you, he was so, everywhere. Swedish no. players on the come-up, aren't they? You see, look at my yeah. boy. I talk about him all the time. Julian's probably tired of hearing me say his name, but I have to repeat it just for the fans. Dejan Kulisevsky, keep an eye out on the guy. I promise mm-hmm. you, he's going to become a breed of Ronaldo and Messi. Yes, you heard me say it here first on Steven Talk Soccer. Trust me, it's a thing. <laughs> and then you also have Alexander Isak, who's been brilliant over the last two or three years. Yeah. If you, anybody's kept an eye on him, playing for Real Sociedad, leading the line. And uh, now that William Jose went on loan at Wolves, I think it allowed him to flourish even more. But 
he was Jose's probably guidance and 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 you know advice. It allowed mm-hmm. him to really become the player that I've seen today. Because yeah. for me, let's be honest, Isaac has looked like one of the best strikers. Because I think in this tournament so far, we haven't really seen a lot of good strikers come out. Yeah. Um, Lukaku obviously is one of them Schick. and Harry Kane was non-existent to me against Croatia Lewandowski the same yeah. Schick is not really a number 9 by trade but he played but a very good performance he stopped scoring the Euros exactly right? alongside Lukaku yeah. that's what I'm saying oh yeah it's true um, so with that in mind but you let's can... be honest that second goal counts for like 2 or 3 oh, goals oh he's, he's, he's instantly the best player of the tournament you're looking for who's going to win the gold yeah, who's, yeah. be- who's the most important player for the mm-hmm. team it's Patrick Schick yeah, at the moment that's crazy 100% yeah. but back to the game the Spain game was extremely boring the way by the way just to mention the way mm-hmm. Isaac set up uh, Berg Actually, yeah we're that gonna get to been, that that should have been a goal for Sweden what this was is the game is a compilation of misses so basically mm-hmm. both teams going back and forth with some very good build up some very good interplay and some you know some good uh, balanced football from either side in terms of you know the build up and uh, the the passing amongst each other but when it got when it came to the final product finishing your dinner not necessarily making the meal finishing it uh, and eating it is what I mean in this case which is scoring the goals they both struggle both to do short. that. And I don't think that this game is necessarily a one-off. I do think both teams will struggle consistently throughout this tournament. Mm. I don't think... Given... I mean, I think Sweden might score a bit more, actually, because they do have a goal threat. I know Isaac can score. I've seen it. Against Madrid, I'll never yeah. forget. There's one game where he scored many goals. Julian knows what I'm talking yeah. about. And uh, I thought Spain really struggled um, offensively. They had, they, like I said, the, the passing play is brilliant in Spain. They've always been good at that. But can they put them on the back of the net? Mm-hmm. What's the answer to that question? Yeah. The answer is what? Oh, sorry. Say that again. Is there? I'm asking. Do you think Spain can? Do you think Spain have oh. that clinicalness in front of goal at the moment? That potency, that effective goal scoring threat. Yeah, they really don't. They really don't. That's what I'm saying. But um, you know, once again, Spain have never been known to be a team that produces a lot of goal scores. But yeah, as I said, this this Spain team is is not the same as ten years ago, where you could just put in a midfielder as your number nine, and just because you're so dominant in the midfield. You'll find a goal somehow. Spain in 2010, were when they won the World Cup, were not a very high-scoring team. They won games 1-0. You know, they they beat you know the Dutch in the in the final 1-0 after extra time. You know, they beat Germany also. Uh, they beat Germany 2-0, but still. Um, yeah, but that's not a high-scoring game. Oh, actually, no. They they beat 1-0 Germany. Puyol's header. My exactly. bad. But point is, they but they were just so good because of. The quality in the midfield, but now you know, not no disrespect to you know Rodri, Laurent, and Pedri. I think those are good players, but overall, it, they're not the same. It's not that golden generation of, of ten years Agreed. ago. It really isn't. You can see that they're kind of at least again they're naturally all gifted with this ability to hold possession and to you know play good passes and to take good touches. But like I said, in order to put the ball in the back of the net, which is ultimately what football is about, scoring goals and winning games. I obviously win games by scoring goals. That's just the inevitable nature of the game. But uh, it's a big statement for Spain to not win this game. I thought everybody expected it would be an easy win for them. Not as mm-hmm. easy, because Sweden are a difficult team to beat. Everybody knows that. They've been like that in every tournament they've yeah. been that I've seen. One of the trickiest teams exactly. to beat. Because they always I... come up with this confidence exactly. that we're going to take a They remind me of Mexico a little bit, actually, yeah. in the sense that, you know, you play against them, you're not going to have an easy game. No exactly. matter who plays against them, they're going to be exactly. tricky. Um, they're not pushovers. Exactly. They're going to let, let it be known that, yo, we're here, we mean business, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, just very quickly to go through the last couple of games that we're going to predict because yeah. uh, there's still more football to come in the, in the coming day. Uh, with the first game being Hungary, sorry, the first game of the group of death, which is between mm-hmm. which is Portugal, Hungary, France, and Germany. Now yeah. you hear this and you get intimidated as well, the group yeah. of death because you think any team who doesn't, any team who comes third in this group basically 
is uh, still going to be a threat to any team that, that it did. Let's say, for example, because the way that this, this is set up is that the, the four best third place finishing teams um, end up being put into the knockout stages as well. And in this group, either most likely, I mean, I'm sorry, Hungary, but it's most likely it's going to be France, Portugal, or Germany that finish in one of those third, uh, top three positions, which means that the, the teams that have to play that third place team is going to be very, very difficult for them to win and beat that team. Mm-hmm. But um, just back to the predictions now. Julian, please tell me, who do you think is going to be the winner between Hungary and Portugal tomorrow? I think Portugal are going to, are going to take that for sure. Um, they, they just have the better quality, especially with Hungary. Their best players not playing in Shabosli. So I think it should be easy for Portugal. They should win here. Um, take the three points early on. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much to say. I think Portugal will convincingly win this. Yeah, I would like to agree. I don't think it's going to be necessarily convincing. I think Portugal might struggle in this oh, game. Oh, yeah. And the reason why I say that is because Portugal don't have the cohesiveness that I'd like them to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I say this with a lot of bias, and I'm humbly okay with saying that because I absolutely love Cristiano Ronaldo, so I expect him to become good tomorrow and to do what he does the best, mm-hmm. which is score goals. But I do think they might struggle in terms of, you know, uh, breaking down the, the Hungarian team, mm-hmm. it's either going to be a goal full of goal game full of goals, or going to be a game where Portugal struggle to score and get like the late one or two goals that win the match. It right. might be a you know a, a battle. I think from Hungary, I think it's going to be either they they kind of keep a stalemate or they Portugal are able to come out and really dismantle them. Mm-hmm. But I hear you. I think Portugal will win as well. Yeah. Onto the France Germany game, a game that we love to yeah, see as football fans. Game. It's always a big fixture, no matter when or where it's being taking place mm-hmm. and what tournament, what competition. Yeah. What do you think? Who do you think is going to win this uh, this big clash of two really, uh, Listen, fans? honestly, I'm going to play it safe and say I think I think this likely this will be a draw. I agree. I, I really do think this will be a draw. But if you really want to push me and say who's going to win, if someone wins, I'm going, les bleus. I'm going to say France win this. Of course. Just because, man. Once again, I said this earlier when we started. When you have Conte on your team, that's a big, big advantage. Such a big advantage because he just saves you. He saves you, saves you, saves you, saves you, saves you until you finally get a goal, right? And then then you're in the advantage. He he just bails you out all the time. He does. He really does. And he has a special ability of being in the right place at the right time. I think his his positioning and ability to read the opposing players' movements and thinking like their thought process in terms of where they're going to pass the ball is exceptional. That's second to none. I don't think most players have that ability to know. For sure, the ball's going to go here, and therefore I should move here. Therefore, I win the ball by being there. Mm-hmm. You know, and that happens with him countless times. So I, I'm going to go for a draw as well. I think it's gonna probably be like a one-one draw. That's yeah. probably what I'm going to say. Yeah. But we will see what happens. Um, yep. This has been the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I will be back very shortly because what I plan is to do. Julian and I will be coming back after each um, match week. Match week. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Why I struggle with that, and I will, and we will uh, look at each uh, fixture. And then when I reach the later stages, we're going to get more into in-depth detail about each uh, you know, semi-final or quarter-final matchup and uh, get more into the nitty-gritty of the game. Now, you know, we have been real football dons for you guys today. And yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. And like I said, come back and uh, let me know your thoughts and opinions. I, have all, I will uh, plug all the socials in the description of this uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you.